Paul Jones Drug is Elk City's most experienced compounding pharmacy, meaning they can custom make your prescription medications to your doctor's specifications, safely and effectively providing you with exactly what you need. And for your convenience, Paul Jones Drug has a drive-through pickup window as well as curbside service for testing and vaccinations and offers free local delivery. Just a couple reasons you should choose Paul Jones Drug, 809 North Main Street in Elk City. I'm Rodney Skinner with Paul Jones Drug, and I promise we provide care you can trust. Throw balls far. You want good words? Data languages. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now, here's the be all, end all, know it all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. Good Paul Jones Drug Tuesday out there. Western Oklahoma, welcome to the Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM. The Sports Animal, glad to have you along for the next hour. We're going to get into some football, some college football, some NFL, and we'll put a bow on the Open Championship with some things, kind of some fallout uh, from over at Royal Liverpool. And so that's kind of what we got on our our plate. Georgia, quested immortality. So, no one's ever won three in a row in the quote-unquote modern era of college football? Which would be what? World War World. Two, or just, I guess maybe when it started over there. I think, it seems like 1936 is the time. You sure nobody's claimed that they have? Oh, I'm sure somebody's claimed that they have. I'm looking at you, Alabama. A&M. A&M, well, <laughs> A&M's... You know what? Even A and M's not—they're not brash enough to complete. Yeah, to do three in a row. They're claiming uh, what South Big Twelve South Division? Yeah, and they're putting that on their wall. I also think here here's what it really is. It's when the AP started awarding a national title in 1936. I got you. Okay. World War II is right there as well, but uh, and so that's all right there together. Georgia looking to be the first. To accomplish such a feat, who can derail them? Who might, you know, what could derail them? Speaking of uh, derailing, it's hard to derail the recruiting momentum on the trail that is the Oklahoma Sooners train right now. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that. Did they get more? Uh, I mean, we, the running back last week. Running back Taylor Tatum, there is an offensive lineman committing at this moment. Big name or it's a battle between Oklahoma and Texas. Well, that's always fun. And most people think it's going to be OU, and then when we come back next week, that's when it can really get serious. Williams Winery, the number one player on on three, is going to commit on August the first. There's speculation that one David Stone may be. He hasn't said a word, but there's speculation that he could possibly commit that same day. That would sure seem like good news for the guys in Crimson and Cream. There's just there's tons of guys in by the time by the time August is over, we could see pretty amazing turn of turnaround. Oh, he was in the 40s just a couple weeks ago. 
They could be vaulting right up into the top ten, if not the top five, depending on how that over goes. Pac-12, what are they doing? What is the Pac-12 doing out as far as the media rights go? And how soon till we see someone jump? Colorado would be the first one on my list, maybe coming this way. NFL, man, did you see over the weekend that the running backs had a Zoom meeting? I did. Just that. whining about their pay. What's that going to do? What's that going to accomplish? Uh, Saquon signed something today. A one-year deal. With, with uh, just a little 10, extra 11, money. $11 million, something like I that. Think it, I think it had $909 extra thousand dollars in incentives. Ooh, look out. That meeting scared everybody to death. <laughs> here's, the, here's, the, here's the question, though, quite honestly. Do you think when... I mean, everybody thinks their kid is going to play in the NFL, right? But well, not my girls. But yeah, I see what you're saying. <laughs> is there a po- is there a point where kids play, you know, into junior high and high school and say, you know what? Uh, uh-uh. uh, I'm going to college. I don't want to be a running back. And that position even becomes more watered down or obsolete because the guys that would play it choose not to, be- with an eye on paydays later on, or even into college. Does that happen? You know, there's there's certain running backs that you see them in college and you think, well, it wouldn't take a whole bunch for that guy to be a defensive end. Yeah. What if they start doing that? You know, like, per, let's say Adrian Peterson, for instance. He had 30 pounds of muscle on that guy. You could see him being easily a defensive end. Right. Well, I wonder if some of that starts to happen. So you guys end up on the on the defensive side of the ball, maybe as linebackers or big old huge safeties or just you know what I mean, just to, to avoid that problem. Then also what teams or players are you excited about on this in this upcoming NFL season? And then we'll put that bow on the open championship with Brian Harmon, Rory's place in history, and then which one is your favorite? Which uh, rank the majors from first to last? 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. That is 225-9698. Give us a call, shoot us a text. We can talk about any of those things. Whatever else might be on your mind, feel free to chime right in at 225-9698. If you're going to be outside the listening area, a couple ways to stay in touch with the show. Log on to kadsam.com. Download the app. The app's got it all. It's got radio, the Penny News, brand new edition of that Penny News We'll hit the website tonight at midnight at thepennynews.com. Big L can Paragon TV. We're exactly a month today, Jared. Exactly a month from the start of the Big Elk season, August the 25th down in Altus. So that's going to be a lot of fun moving forward. And then, of course, the Skinny on Sports podcast is available to you everywhere that podcast do drop. What's up, Jared? How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you today? Yeah, man, I'm, the very little amount of time that I was outside yesterday, it, it is hot. And then um, my oldest asked me yesterday after her basketball practice, so are we doing anything tomorrow? No, not that I'm aware of. Can I go pitch tomorrow after when you get home? Now I'm looking, I'm like, no, because it was 102 maybe at around 530. I don't want to take her out in that. No. That's not, I mean, I I appreciate her wanting 
to do that and stay sharp. But there's a little safety concern for me. When I was going home yesterday, leaving, I went down on 3rd Street, Great Plains Bank, 111. Yeah, why are the bank thermometers always the hottest ones? 111 at about 530. (laughs) Did you see the McKinney, Texas thing last week? (laughs) Well, everybody in McKinney is dead. dead. (laughs) It was like 115,000, 106 degrees. Yeah. Uh, anyways, speaking hot, um, I want to give a shout out to my hot wife. It's our anniversary today. Oh. 14 years married. Very happily, I might add. So today's a special day in the eighth household. So 14 years ago, on a hot July day, remember it well, got married right here in Elk City, had a reception at the old clubhouse here at the golf course. Very, very special day. We've happy, got a, happy anniversary to my wife, Allie. We've got a theory on the bank. Well, what's that? Asphalt. How close well, it is I, to the asphalt. Yeah, I wonder, is, is the uh, thermometer right there on top of the roof on the... Because, you know, it has to be hot on top of that roof, you know? Yeah. Or right there on top of the metal sign or asphalt. How do you get a true reading? It's supposed to take it in the shade. Listen... Anything over 100 is hot, so 101 or 111, it's it's a hot day. It's going to be hot the next couple of days. Unfortunately, but hey, it's July. It's summer. You know, I saw a stat on one of the local news channels, weather-wise, that the three wettest July, like first half of July's, Led to the three driest first half of July's. Oh, okay. I can't remember the years. I, I saw that somewhere. There too. was two that were like, like this year was like 8.58 inches in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Through the first through the 15th. The next one was almost the exact same number, and then another one was like six. Nothing. And every one of them was zero. Nothing. <laughs> it was Mike Morgan who uh, did it. Yeah, it was, it was I, like the rainfall whiplash is what he called it yeah, or something like that. Yeah, I glanced at that. But I, I had wondered when this when someone's going to turn off the spigot, and I think they have. Yeah, the, there was that one that kind of missed us the other day. That probably means it won't rain until January. Yeah, I got. I think I got a little sprinkles this morning. Very, yeah, there was very, some, it was very light. Very light, but I could um, see the residue on my on my windshield on my truck when I got in it this morning. And of course, I had the rain alert in my phone. But sometimes that doesn't mean you're getting it. But when I when I let my dog out this morning, I looked out to the east, and you could see rain clouds. Not the, and you could see the rain bands. Mm-hmm. Right. But I'm thinking that's not reaching the ground. Unfortunately, it looked like it would just kind of stop, and you know. But hey, I'll take whatever we can get. But yeah, it's hot. It's hot. It's a hot one. We've reached the dog days of summer. Okay, let's uh, let's put a bow on the Open Championship. Brian Harmon. Will he ever garner the respect that he deserves for what he did at Royal Liverpool over the weekend? I'm not sure, and we'll get it. And I'll, I have a reasoning why a little bit later when we start discussing it. But I think if this happened say at the Masters or the other two over here in, in America, I think he would. 
but I, I'm not sure he, he – I don't know why. I just feel like those are more important. But um, go do it again. That's always a thing that everyone says. You know, okay, yeah, he did it once. Can he do it again? But um, I think with – but I will say this. Within the, the, golf, the, the pro golfing community, I think he'll get plenty of uh, – accolades within that community and respect in that community it, it you know what i'm saying we're not hearing it talked about very much in the media but i think everyone in the clubhouse go that that's the guy he dominated over at the open that get get that guy a drink <laughs> yeah so <clears throat> i mentioned yesterday i'd seen he was the only guy or the first guy since 1934 that carried a five-shot lead into the last three, uh, the the third, second round, third held a five shot lead at the end of the second, third, and fourth rounds, or five plus. Henry Cotton, we mentioned that yesterday at nineteen in nineteen thirty four. So then, there's a couple of other unbelievable things, and the names that he's he's associated with here are kind of make you think one of those isn't like the other. Brian Harmon's the sixth American to win the Open by at least six shots. The other five guys you've heard of. Yeah. Bobby Jones, Walter Hagen, Arnold Palmer, Johnny Miller, and Tiger Woods. And then Brian Harmon. He's the third American to win any major over the last 40 years by six or more. Tiger and Bryson DeChambeau. I mean, when you when you look at lists like that that he joined, it's pretty hard not to just kind of take a step back and go, "Whoa!" Yeah. At the same time, I'm doing it right now, going, uh, "Brian Harmon, does he belong on any list with Bobby Jones, Walter Hagen, Arnold, Johnny Miller, and Tiger?" Well, he, he but he's there. He's there, and he played like. He and and here's there. here's my thing about it. I don't care what else. I'm just talking about, and maybe because he hadn't won since 2017, a lot of people viewed him kind of in that Charles Howell mode of, yeah, he's a PGA Tour winner, doesn't win very often, and just racks up tons and tons of top tens and makes a lot of cash, right? And then now you break through and win a major. It, it, <clears throat> it probably is kind of difficult to put him on some sort of tier that you didn't even prepare your mind for to have a conversation about Brian Harmon going into the week. Like if it was anyone else who who we know, who's a little bit more popular it would get more Oh, attention. if this was if Rory, it, if it was Rom or, or Rory, Rory yeah. or or you know the list goes on and on. Uh even even um <clears throat> if it was someone like like Hoblin, you know, who's kind of making his name. He's kind of everyone's kind of waiting for him to break through, and then when he does, I'm like, yeah, see, we expect this kid to do this. But Harmon's what thirty eight, thirty six, thirty six years old. So it's it's kind of I don't know it. And when I saw you know you're following the leaderboard and you see where he's at, say Friday and then Saturday, thinking, well, he can't hold on to that. And I really thought Rom was going to make a push there, um, on Sunday. 
and and he didn't. And credit Ron, or uh, uh, Harmon for hanging on to it. It's just about the name, I, honestly. It's kind of because the average Joe golf fan like myself didn't even remember who Brian Harmon is until he made a name for himself this weekend. Yeah, uh, it, it's understandable why he's not getting the respect he deserves. Here's another thing. He's five foot seven. I think that's... <clears throat> I didn't realize that. 30 years ago, okay, a lot of guys are that low. You know, but, you know, all of a sudden you look up, there's a whole bunch of dudes that are six foot, six one, six two, in this game that, that more now than ever before. And a big part of that is, you know, Tiger and bringing different types of athletes to this game. But that's, I mean, he's a, he's literally a foot smaller than his caddy. Wow. Like, no kidding, a foot. 5'7 versus 6'7. Makes you worry about him not being able to get out of those bump, bunkers. Yeah, I'm wondering how he saw over the lips. <laughs> right. Was he picking out a spot up in, up in the clouds? Were the flag's tall enough? Yeah. So, I understand why, but he deserves it. Because what he did to that field was just incredible. He was the only guy that got to 9-under. He was the only guy that got to 10-under. He was the only guy that got to 11-under. He was the only guy that got to 12-under. He was the only guy that got to 13-under in the entire field. And Sepp Straka got it to 8 and then made a bogey like two holes later. So he was almost the only guy that got it to 8-under. I mean, that's how dominant this dude was. But he'll never get the credit. The, the way you, I think everybody text line you – are right the way this this win and the dominance of this win the credit will come kind of down the line if he continues to win tournaments or or down the line years down the down the road if you know after a few more here at liverpool three or four you know and go well yeah this guy won it but man do you remember the year Harmon dominated at this at this track you know Something it it kind of has to sink in. Yeah, here's here's another thing to look ahead to next summer. So the winners at Royal Liverpool going the last two were Tiger then Rory. Now Brian Harmon is one. You know the last two winners at Valhalla in majors, Tiger and Rory. Oh well, I'll be done. So you're gonna bet all your money on Brian Harmon? Now <laughs> 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 uh, just I, I just. He's not going to get that credit yet that he deserves to get with the way that he performed in that tournament and the way that he beat everybody down. Another interesting number out of that tournament, Jason Day. I thought this was pretty cool. I mean, probably not for him, but it was kind of a neat number. So Jason Day becomes the ninth guy ever to accomplish a certain feat. Any idea what that could be? With the way he with where he finished? Did he even make the cut? Yeah, he's runner up. Oh my apologies. Yeah, he's the ninth guy ever to be runner up in all four majors. Oh wow. Well, if you ain't first or last, but he's still getting pretty good paydays with those runner ups. That's something Tiger not even done. Tiger hasn't been runner up at the open. Wow. And then, of course, you go back to the Harmon thing with winning the Open by six. Jack didn't do that either. 
Where's Rory right now? I mean, I think people are really down on him when you start thinking about what that major majorless drought is. So where where do you put Rory McIlroy's place in history right now? Oh boy. Really really good, not great as a golfer. Okay, that's interesting I, you say that. Does that make sense? No. <laughs> well, here, I, I mean, mean he's he's in he makes cuts. He's almost on on Sundays everyone's looking where's Rory at? Can he make a move? I'm hearing more and more talk that it's a mental game, mental block for him. Just, I mean, for lack of a better term, he chokes it off if the pressure is tight. I mean, really, really good golfer to put himself in those pressure situations, but mentally cannot get past it. Great golfers get past it. I had this number. How many guys do you think ever – in the history of golf, how many guys do you think have won 24 times on the tour and four majors? None. Well, there's obviously some. No, I don't know then. I mean, Tiger's won 80-something in 15 majors. I had it, and I refreshed the page. <laughs> it's less than 10. So, I mean, good, not great. If, you, if you're in the top 10 of that, would that not have to be great? Well, I said really, really good. But okay, really, great. really good, but not great? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's on the upper. I mean, if you're putting him in tiers, do you put him in tier one, tier two? What is tier one? Well, you got your tiger. You know, the guys that are winning the majors. Okay, well, there's so, tier one is two guys, and then it drops. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Tiger and Jack. Yeah. Are kind of out there by themselves. So, okay, he is, let me look here. So, he's tied, right now, he's tied for 26th all-time wins. Oh, this would be perfect. I can find this number for you right here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Eleven. Eleven guys that have won 24 times on tour in four majors. Oh, 12. There's Gary Player down there. Twelve. So he's one of 13 guys to ever do that. I I think he is the victim of one guy. He's the victim of Tiger. And the with the ease with which we saw him win those majors, I think we're figuring out post Tiger it's hard to win those mm-hmm. things, man, and yeah. it's hard to stack them up, you know. Boom, 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 boom. Right. Yeah. And you're right. I th- I don't think there's any doubt. It, it's mental, especially on the greens, 
for Rory McIlroy. Because you see him freed up, making putts on Thursday and Friday. And then it comes about the back nine Saturday. It feels like the aggressiveness kind of wanes. And I don't, I don't know if that's – I don't know what his the, the mental side of that is. Is he worried about pounding it by and missing short ones? Does he just get a little bit tentative? Then on Sunday – I mean, last year at the Open – having that lead going into the final round at St. Andrews, hitting the ball the way that he hit the ball, only to to watch Cam Smith make everything and Rory not be able to make anything. I, I think he's – I think this could be another one. Like, he's higher up on the list than people are giving him credit for. Like, I heard Sam yeah. Sam Humphrey say that he, he's not – he hasn't been as good a player as Brooks Kepka. That To me, that is so false. Now – does Brooks Kepka have one more major than Rory McIlroy? Yes. Do you really think that Brooks Kepka's career even comes close to rivaling Rory McIlroy's? Not in my mind. I mean, if you ask me who's a better player, I'd put I'd say Rory every single day. But I also want. But we're, we're so right now in sports. If it's not titles in, in team sports or it's not majors in golf, it's like that's the only criteria. That can be me- be measured in a big part of that. It was Tiger chasing Jack, right? That's the only that's yeah. you know that's, that kind of becomes the only metric that we can use. Having said that, man, he needs to knock down another one or two of these, just to kind of cement his legacy, get off of that drought that we talked about yesterday, uh, over the last thirty four, and you know just to kind of put these conversations away. You know, he gets to 30 wins and six majors. Now, all of a sudden, he's on a. You take away Byron Nelson off of that list of the others. You take away da, 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 uh, Lee Trevino off that list. So now you're in the top 10 uh, of kind of any list once you get to that point. So uh, I, I think it's. I think he's better than he's getting credit for right now because he can't put away some of those majors. And here's another one. So over the last eight, the last two years worth of majors. And there's been some great performances, right? We've seen some blowouts. We've seen guys, Scotty Scheffler comes to mind, who, who has just played what seemingly fantastic in every one of them, whether or not he wins or, or, or loses. Cumulative score in the last over the last eight majors, last two years worth. Who do you think leads that leaderboard? Would it be Rory? It is Rory by five shots. That's what's great, and he hasn't won. <laughs> yeah, that is nuts. So he's 41 under, and that's with a miscut at Augusta this year. That's the only one he hadn't been in the top eight. So it, it's not like he's flailing around. Yeah. He's just not getting it done at the end. Yeah, he's 41 under par over the previous two years worth of majors. Scotty Scheffler, minus 36. Cam Smith, minus 21. And then the next name is pretty interesting because – this is a guy that is knocking on the door and is going to break the damn thing down to win a major, his first major pretty quick. You know what I'm talking about? Victor Hovland. Had a feeling. Victor Hovland's been really good. He's he's fixed some of that chipping woes that he's had. Now he's just got to be able to, to get through it on the mental side, I think, because he can strike it as good as anybody. His, like I said, his chipping has improved. Would not shock me at all if Victor Hovland isn't 
hoisting one of those four trophies next year because he has kind of feels like he's figured it out to contend. Now he's just got to take that extra step to win one. Anyway, I thought that was an interesting list that, that Rory was so far ahead of everybody else, just cumulative score wise, and yet has not been able to knock one out. That just tells you that that, that just tells you how hard it is to win, man. It's so hard to actually win one of these things. All right, what's your favorite? Uh, did, how much did you enjoy? How much do you enjoy? I think this question starts with this: How much do you enjoy the open? Well, I like how it's different. You know, they're on links courses and completely different side of the country. The weather's always guaranteed: gray sky, muggy, rainy. It's different, but you know what I don't like about it is it starts too dang early for me and. I'm either watching a repeat and I already know what's going to happen or I catch it about nine holes in, depending on what time it starts. Um, it did, I mean, this one wasn't entirely too early. There have been some that will start like at 4 a.m. or something like that. But others, like, like on Sunday, it started at well, right around – It was like 9 or 10, wasn't it? It wasn't – I mean, horror, it's, it, no, no, coverage. The, the, yeah, it wasn't bad, but early. I like, I like my, uh, my majors to be wrapping up around 6 p.m., you know, and enjoy it all afternoon long on a Sunday. But the put them in order, do you want me to do that? Yeah, put them in order. Well, Masters, and I don't need to explain that. Masters is number one for me. Moving on. Um, I like the U.S. Open, then the PGA, and then the Open. The Open's, I mean, you can't go wrong with all four of them. Like, I'm not knocking the Open because it's last on my list. But, and I think it's clear, you look at everybody's list, I'd be shocked if the Masters wasn't at the number one because it's the first one of the year. Um, it's at historic Augusta. Everybody stops and makes time to watch the Masters, especially on Sunday. But the other two, you know, could be a toss-up depending, you know, on where it's played or, or stuff like that because they rotate around. But um, but I, I don't know why the U.S. Open, I like it better than the PGA, but but the open just because it's overseas and it, like I mentioned the time and just a little different for me as far as the the play of the course and those pop bunkers and all that stuff that's why I kind of put it on the bottom of my list what about you masters for sure uh familiarity with the course you know the history of that I kind of and I I like the uh the not, you know the way it goes right they can do whatever they want to yeah, that right. old money. They they can they have the ability just to say buzz off, right? No matter you know. So I I like that the course is awesome, and it's you know the just you know it. It's so familiar. See, I would have ranked them like you five years ago, but I've completely flipped it around. I would put the open next. Okay, and maybe just. As I've gotten older, the appreciation for the different style of golf that is required there, you know, it, yeah, it, it because because I and I think a big part of it is just in me personally, I play a different style of golf than I ever have before because I can't hit it near as far, you know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, yeah. Then the 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 hitting it lower, the chips and the around the greens where you have to get more creative and imaginative, uh, and and, and it's produced really good tournaments outside of this one. It's been memorable ones and i think this one will be memorable for a totally different reason and so i would go there i would go the pga third because it feels like the pga 
has figured out what they are more than what the USGA has for the U.S. Open. The PGA has gone to great golf courses, but not messed it up. That's, to me, the difference between them and the USGA and the U.S. Open. PGA just lets the golf course be. It, it's They pick great venues and then showcase those great venues where the U.S. Open can pick great venues or try to – and the PGA has picked some different ones, and it's worked. U.S. Open picked different ones, and it hasn't. And it's like they just can't figure it out. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 they screwed up Shinnecock Hills. That's impossible <laughs> to screw up Shinnecock, and they did it. And so – you know, I and I used to really enjoy the, the almost the sadistic nature of the U.S. Open, but it feels like they've gotten away from that. And it's the equipment and the technology, like those guys, those guys are almost immune to it because they can hit it so far, and the USGA hasn't caught up. Yeah, and so that's where that's how I'd go. I'd go Masters, the Open, PGA, U.S. Open. Paul Jones Drug Tuesday. Rodney Skinner and the gang at Paul Jones Drug, 809 North Main Street, care you can trust. When we come back, we'll tell you all about Rodney and Paul Jones Drug. Look ahead to some NFL stuff. Is the running back position becoming even more obsolete than we thought? We'll discuss it next, Skinny on Sports, right here on The Sports Animal. Paul Jones Drug offers a free service that makes taking your daily medications safe and easy. It's called convenience packaging, meaning they can combine all of your daily medications and put them in sealed, separate daily packages. This process replaces you from having to fill your daily medication dispenser. And as always, Paul Jones Drug prepares individual blister packaging for long-term care patients. With their drive through window, curbside service, and free local delivery, it's just more reasons you should choose Paul Jones Drug, 809 North Main Street, Milk City. I'm Rodney Skinner with Paul Jones Drug, and I promise we provide care you can trust. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? The Skinny on Sports. That's what I'm talking about. Welcome back, Skinny on Sports, 98.1 FM, the sports animal. It's a Paul Jones Drug Tuesday. Our friends down at Paul Jones Drug, 809 North Main, are the oldest compounding pharmacy in Elk City. That means they've got the most experience doing it. Free local delivery, can drive through and pick your stuff up they can test you on the curbside the vaccination stuff long-term care unit packaging which are their blister packs are available as well give them a call at 225-2121 paul jones drug is care you can trust all right jared interesting development over the weekend uh with the with the running backs that were franchise tagged that deadline came and went without any any of them really getting significant long-term deals which led austin eckler to decide he wanted to throw a zoom meeting for all these guys to discuss their options and then lo and behold today saquon and the giants have agreed to a one-year deal worth up to 11 million dollars and some incentives that are built into that thing that weren't there before Uh, and so maybe that has in some ways, that meeting helped, maybe not, because I think at the end of the day, yes, they're looking at the money, but they're also looking at the long-term stability, which that one-year deal and playing on the franchise tag, neither of those offer that. Yeah, I wonder what – I'm with you. What does the – are we going to see a lot of one-year deals with uh, – know what Saquon got um you know I know we'll talk about it but the future of the running back position what's that going to look like 
in how they're going to get paid. And, you know, there's the, the Zoom meeting tells me they're obviously incredibly worried about uh, the future of that position, but more importantly, the how they're going to get paid. And, um, yeah, you know, we'll talk about it again. We'll talk about it, but, you know, I think there should be an evolution or, or the the position should evolve into something different if they want to get paid the money they want to get paid. But um, I don't know. I mean, I don't, do you think – what's the next step after a Zoom meeting like this? Do they go to the NFL PA and say, this is what we demand and make it happen? Yes. But that's the only way that this can change. Now, whether or not they have enough force behind them to get that done, I don't know. But, yeah, there has to be some – that has to be the, the course of action because it's clear the teams aren't just going to do it, right? Because they've kind of got this thing where where it's in a pretty good spot for the teams. But for the players themselves, it has to be gone through the, collect- the, the collective bargaining process and some sort of designation as a skill position player as opposed to a running back. You know, the, the idea here is going to be try to get kind of everybody lumped into the same category, whether you're a receiver, tight end, running back. I mean, quarterback's obviously going to be out there by itself. But the idea there is to is to kind of get that more as a group instead of an individual position. And and then of course if you're the receivers and everything's all hunky dory for you, how much pushback do you then go? Because you would think that you know if the running backs have to come up, the receivers have to come down to kind of average everything out. Yeah, somebody's wallet's going to get a little bit thinner. That's right. Not you know so. I mean, yeah, I mean, that. For again, the running back position, it's changed so much in the past, shoot, even 10, five years. And with, you know, so much prone to injury, we've mentioned, we've talked about shelf life all the time of the running back position at the NFL level. I think it's a very, very uh, valuable position still at the college level. Because if you can't have a run balance with a with a good running back in today's off, offensive juggernaut of a game, um, you become very one dimensional. in In the NFL, they see it more as I think owner or not owners, but GMs see it more of um, it's more running back by committee. I need I need two to three solid guys that I could rotate in there to still be fresh by the end of the fourth quarter. And the star running back is kind of going to the wayside. It's the star running back uh, uh, committee, you know. I mean, Dallas with uh, Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, it proved to be pretty good. You've seen it up in Cincinnati with OU's own Joe Mixon and and P. Ryan. Um, The list goes on and on. And so there's a little bit of um, of fear there, you know, of these guys, this – that participated in this zoom meeting of man it's not going to be all about me anymore it's kind of a selfish approach to it in my opinion it's it's more it's you know they don't value the star running back they just cut ezekiel elliott 
And Dalvin Cook. And Dalvin Cook. <laughs> and yeah. So I wonder how much pushback the, the GMs and owners are going to be with this. Okay, so this was going into last year. The average career span by position. Who do you think has the longest average career span in the NFL? What what position? Center. No. Anybody on the line? No. The longest? Nobody? on Offensive line, defensive line? Nobody? Nope. Um, cornerbacks? Nope. Is it going to be running back? No. It can't be. No. Running back's last. Yeah. Wide receiver, tight end? Nope. All right. I can do this all day. Kickers what? and punters? Well, that was an obvious one. I Number two is quarterbacks, yeah. which makes sense because the rules have yeah have completely changed yeah, yeah. to protect the quarterbacks so the average life the average career span for kickers and punters is just a skosh under five years 4.87 quarterbacks 4.44 they're the only two over four years the league average is 3.3 for all positions then you got O-line, 3.6, defensive line, 3.2, and they're the only ones over three. Linebackers just barely under three at 2.97, corners 2.94, tight ends 2.85, wide receivers 2.81, then running backs last at 2.57 years. Now, I ask you... It's still pretty impressive for some running backs that were productive after like their third or fourth year in the league. Yeah, that's you why know, it's that's why it's amazing yeah. when you see Ladanian Tomlinson or AD yeah, yeah. in this in this day and age. But let me ask you this: Is that number for running backs skewed so far down because guys are really getting injured, or is it because the teams are just churning through them now like they never have before? Or probably, I'm sure it's probably a combination of both at some point. Maybe, you know, you're about to talk about the popularity of the position itself. Maybe without going back and looking, maybe how popular that, you know, oh man, I want to be AD. I want to be Tomlinson. And so that a lot of young kids wanted to, and then GMs are thinking, man, okay, yeah, we have this guy. He's in his third season, but look at this guy. We can't miss on this guy. We got to draft him. And so they're, it's, it's, they have created, the GMs have created this shelf life, this short shelf life I of think running so. backs. I think so, too. I mean, we all know it's a brutal position and three, right. three or 400 carries a year. That's hard on your body. We get it. But yeah, I think that number is skewed so far south because, and, and think of that. When you get th- three years out of a guy coming into the fourth year, now Saquon's done it for five, but the tread on the tire starts to thin. Mm-hmm. And then you have to be thinking, okay, do I pay this guy this guy $11 million, or a guy that might be 80 to 85% as good, $2 million. They're going to choose the latter every single time, especially at that position. And so my question then becomes – Okay, kids are going to – you mentioned, you know, AD watching, I'm sure, Barry Sanders and Emmett and, and those guys, Ricky Williams. And then young kids now watching Adrian, kind of the last one. I mean, watch just my kid and his buddies. Ain't nobody talking about wanting to be the running back. Everybody wants to be the quarterback or the receiver. Right. 
And so how long does it take for this the position? I mean, it, it doesn't even seem possible, right? Oh, there's not going to be running backs in the, in the game of football. There always will be to some extent, but it feels like with the, with the way the, the, the culture is money-wise in the NFL, it's pushing kids to be totally different style of players than they would have been, like you said, a decade ago. Scott on the text line, Chris Johnson for the Titans, as fast as he was, he's right. He'd never be a running back now. He'd be a receiver or one of those guys that just gets out, you know, and, and can get in space and make plays and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, if, if I'm a running back, if I'm a kid wanting to be a running back or or, or even current running backs, you know, how do you make yourself more valuable? You got to be, and I've mentioned this earlier, that the positions evolve. So it's not about just taking a handoff and making a juke and hitting the hole. It's can you be a, cast, a pass catcher? Can you be a good, you know, pass uh, blocker? Um, can you run the slot? Can you can you spread out to the slot? All you know, be more versatile than just the the flashy take the handoff, run you over running back. Because if you can do that, make yourself more valuable, I think coaches will be more attracted to that. I mean, maybe not at the NFL level, but I'm maybe trying to talk to kids here. You know, it's not just about taking the handoff and and running for the end zone. If you can be a good all-around type of running back, I've seen more and more compliments come from coaches and GMs when they're asked, well, why did you draft this guy? Well, he's not just a guy who could do that. He could do this. He could do this. He could do this. He's smart. He's a good guy off the field, and I think they when they say that stuff about the, the the traits that they can do on the field, they think, well, we don't have to ask him to run into a pile every time. We can flare him out. We he can take that extended handoff with those swing passes and go untouched for five to six yards before he just runs out of bounds or something. I think that's where this position is evolving, and I think those are the guys that can be in the league longer and get paid longer. Which is, <clears throat> which is exactly why they're so pissed. Because those guys are doing that. Yeah. There's a bunch of those guys that are doing exactly what you're describing. And it hasn't elevated their value. Because they're still a running back. And I think that's what the, the distinction is going to have to be changed through the collecting collective bargaining agreement to lump them in more as a as a, uh, a skill position player versus the you know what I'm saying mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because as much as you're exactly right and a bunch of these guys have done exactly that I mean Saquon is way more dangerous out in the open field catching a pass oh, than yeah. he is running through the tackles oh yeah get him in space yeah we out. see that with a bunch of different guys but it's not translating into the dollars off the field that maybe they were promised it would if they could have more tools in the toolkit. And I think that's what that I think that is exactly where the the problem in their mind is is you've asked us to do all this stuff, you've asked us to change, we have and we're still not getting rewarded for it. So why in the world would anybody want to be a running back if you're just if that's the way you're going to get paid? So it's it's a really interesting conundrum I think for the NFL moving forward because you know you 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 get to the point where I mean no offense but the tight end position historically has been nowhere close 
valuable value-wise to the running backs. But I think it's pretty safe to say that they've passed yeah. running backs. With this pass-happy era that we're in. Absolutely. That's certainly part of it. I mean, now the golden rule is you do not draft a running back in the first round. Yeah, and you if darn sure a, don't pay him. And you, yeah, and if there's a tight end, you get him. Yeah. I don't remember that it's very not, that long ago where you would draft a tight end in the top ten or something. You like wouldn't. You would not. No. But now if there's if there's a guy and his comp is is Gronk or Kittle or whoever, they're go- oh you need to get him. We were doing that as Dallas fans. Oh. We're, we're hoping that you know a guy would drop to Dallas. Mm-hmm. You know. What the Notre Dame guy? Who was it that we Michael were Michael Mayer, or Dalton Kincaid? Yeah, we were hoping that a tight end would drop. Can you imagine that? Hope that tight end drops to us oh. the lower part of the first round. Wait till this upcoming draft when Brock Bowers comes out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that guy's gonna. I mean he might be a top five pick as a tight end. That that is unheard of yeah. in the past. Yeah, but it's the way it's gonna be for the foreseeable future until. They might be, until something changes within the structure of the CBA. Yeah. All right. Step aside. It's Paul Jones Drug Tuesday. Question on the text line was, "What's Christian McCaffrey making?" Ten million bucks. Ten point eight million. We'll be back. Paul Jones Drug is Elk City's most experienced compounding pharmacy, meaning they can custom make your prescription medications to your doctor's specifications, safely and effectively providing you with exactly what you need. And for your convenience, Paul Jones Drug has a drive through pickup window as well as curbside service for testing and vaccinations and offers free local delivery. Just a couple reasons you should choose Paul Jones Drug, 809 North Main Street in Elk City. I'm Rodney Skinner with Paul Jones Drug, and I promise we provide care you can trust. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. The Skinny on Sports. Welcome back. Skinny on Sports, 98.1 FM, the sports animal wrapping up a Paul Jones Drug Tuesday. 809 North Main is where Paul Jones Drug is located. They've got the convenience packaging. We talk about it each and every week. That is individually packaging your daily medications. You do not have to fill up your pill caddy anymore. No, 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 no. They do it for you. You just... Open up the package, take your pills, throw the wrapper in the trash, and move on down life's path. We've got durable medical equipment, which is your walkers, your canes, your crutches, wraps and braces, etc. Most insurances are accepted, and guess what? It's not just the medical stuff. Paul Jones Drug has really cool gifts, greeting cards down there as well. 809 North Main, Paul Jones Drug is care you can trust. So interesting text on the text line. Uh, with the you know specifically comparing running backs to tight ends, it's the position numbers far more quality backs than tight ends. That's probably still true, but come back at me in like two years if this trend continues, and I think then we have a really major discussion on our hands if there are more good running backs in the NFL than tight ends, just because of the way the tight end position has blossomed, starting really with, with Gronk in New England. I think 
Gronk and Aaron Hernandez that changed the game in a way that I think has gotten overlooked a little bit. Sure, we, we talk about throwing it in the, in the quarterbacks and the receivers and all that, but that two tight end set and two tight ends that had the special ability to go pass catch and then Gronk especially still able to just maul you at the line of scrimmage in the, in the run game, People saw that and went, huh, what a great advantage to have a pass-catching tight end covered by a linebacker. Those linebackers can't be able to do that very often. Try it. Try it. Yeah, that position is – that tight end position. I tell you, I mean, I'm, I'm – more excited if there's like I'm you know mentioning the tight end that position excites me more in today's game than the running back. Than the running back does? It does. It just does. Yeah. <clears throat> it's really interesting because us growing up, I mean if I'd have told you this at 15 years old, you'd have looked at me like I had eight heads. Yeah. Hey Jared, when you're 40, Tight ends are going to be more valuable than running backs in the NFL. Nita went, huh? What are you talking about? It's kind of gotten that way. And the problem is, if for the running backs, I don't really know what you can do about it. From a pay scale problem, I mean, the pay scale, for sure. You know, it feels like you're... 10 11 million is where you're going to tap out kind of that's your peak unless you just happen to be with a certain team that that values it i mean tennessee is that i mean is derrick henry the last guy we're going to see play running back in the league that really can't catch i would say so you think about the college running backs now all of them catch they're forced to the way the game's played exactly and Derek, I'm just thinking Adrian, but it's Derrick Henry is going to be kind of the last one of that breed that isn't a three down. I mean, he plays three downs maybe, but he's not really a true three down guy. And after that, you're gonna you, those guys are going to be forced to catch. But then the problem for them is obviously when they do adjust their game and they're forced to catch, then they're still not getting still not getting rewarded for doing what they were asked to do. It's 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 a really interesting to see what happens in five or ten years. We could we're gonna have to move the Georgia stuff till tomorrow. <clears throat> I'm surprised this isn't getting more hype though. Maybe we're just not quite there yet. But the With, potential of a three peak. Yeah, it seems like it would be a, a way bigger talking point than what it's been. So even coming out of SEC media days. I mean, to me, the the conversation at the media days at the SEC was way more centered on next year and and OU and Texas coming into the league than it was, hey, what does anybody think about Georgia's shot at immortality? Isn't that crazy? (laughs) It really kind of is. Everybody was asked, what do you think about OU and Texas coming next year? If I'm a coach, I was like, well, that's next year. Let's talk about this year. But everyone had an answer. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt that that had been prepared. Players and coaches. And maybe that that hype starts building. I mean, when you look at their schedule, holy Moses, 
just fast forward it's to the SEC title yeah. game. Yeah, it's easy. <clears throat> There's no, uh, it, they're not losing twice before. I mean, in the regular season, there's no chance they can lose twice. Hard to see. And so it almost feels like it comes down to can Tennessee, if they're able to knock off Georgia at home in that next to last game on my birthday, if anybody wants to you know, send me somewhere for my birthday, Knoxville would be a pretty cool place to be. <laughs> But outside of that game, I mean, at Auburn, can Hugh Freeze pull off some sort of miracle? Because it's UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, UAB at home, at Auburn, Kentucky at home, at Vandy, Florida, Missouri, Ole Miss, all at home, at Tennessee, at Georgia Tech. I don't see a ton of losses on that one for a team that's been as good as Georgia has. And so unless Tennessee – can go through with only one loss in the SEC and, and kind of get the tie break that way. It's really hard to not see Georgia in that SEC title game at the first of December. And then at that point, if they are undefeated, then they've already got their spot nailed down in the playoff. Yeah, they're not. If they have a loss, then that game becomes vitally important. Mm-hmm. I don't know. New quarterback. I mean, it's like nobody even cares. The schedule's so easy. It's like, eh. I don't know. Think about it. If you're going to get him, it has to be early if, with the new quarterback, forced mistakes and all that stuff, Not until he's not settled in. But hard to see that being a thing, too. <clears throat> and then we've old, uh, Missouri almost beat him last year. It's true. A lot of people kind of like Missouri this year. I say kind of. If they had to go to Columbia, South Carolina in that third week, I think that could be a lot more interesting. But they don't. They get them between the hedges. Still got to play the game. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead. There's my very small ounce of hope that they'd (laughs) lose, but that's all I'll say. I'm going to go ahead and guarantee, just by the look (laughs) on your face, you're going to have Georgia in the playoffs. Who would? <laughs> Thank you to Paul Jones Drug. Thank you to Rodney and the gang. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow right here on the Skinny on Sports. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered to right. Way back. Goodbye. Paul Jones Drug offers a free service that makes taking your daily medications safe and easy. It's called convenience packaging, meaning they can combine all of your daily medications and put them in sealed separate daily packages. This process replaces you from having to fill your daily medication dispenser. And as always, Paul Jones Drug prepares individual blister packaging for long-term care patients. With their drive through window, curbside service, and free local delivery, it's just more reasons you should choose Paul Jones Drug. 809 North Main Street, Milk City. I'm Rodney Skinner with Paul Jones Drug, and I promise we provide care you can trust.